Okay, we're going to give you, well, no, I'm not. I was going to give you a choice today, whether you want a microwave or you want a crock pot. Crock pot. All right. Now, I think today I'm going to do a, something in between. I'm going to do a frying pan. <laughs> or a skillet. Because what we're talking about today is the meat of the word we started to talk about before. And uh, we want to be sure that it's prepared properly so you can digest it properly. Right? So keep that in mind as we go along. We've entitled this section of this series, How to Balance Your Spiritual Ledger. We've been mixing metaphors here. We're talking about the checking up on you as an audit, the profit and the loss spiritually as you check up yourself for the end of the year, the beginning of a new year. But we also looked at it from a medical point of view, you, uh, where you check up the body. Every part is functioning properly. Well, we're going to do some more mixing up of metaphors as we go through our message this morning. Now, in our previous messages, which we really cannot overview or summarize because of time, but in our previous messages, we have carefully examined both the pluses and negatives of our spiritual life, both to determine the validity and genuineness of our faith, as well as the quality of our faith, if we have, in fact, been regenerated by the Spirit of God. Last time, we saw that there's a real competitive struggle that is constantly being waged by the spirit and the flesh. Those are the terms used in the scriptures. Both which indwell us and are seeking to have dominance in our lives. Last Lord's Day, we began looking at what God says is necessary for us to both be and to do if we are to be sure that the spirit wins out and our spiritual ledger is always balanced and is on the plus or credit or profit side. If you recall, the section that we focused on was Galatians chapter 5, verses 24 and 25. Let me read those verses again, just to remind you, because we're going back into it in detail. They that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, and remember we said that if really is not an if of doubt, it really can be translated since. Since we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. In summary, Paul is saying, don't take from the cross what has been nailed there. Or, don't drag up from the grave, which is probably a better way of saying it, don't drag up from the grave the old self that was buried with Christ. Because you see, that's exactly what a Christian does when he or she lives according to the flesh. When he or she does not walk according to the Spirit. What we actually do is take the old self down from the cross or dig it up from the grave. The dead, putrid old self, that Christian lifestyle, or rather that old nature, that old self-lifestyle that Christ left there in the grave. We go, as it were, and dig it up. Now the terms in this passage, put to death and crucify, means to put off the traits or characteristics of the old life, the old man, the old self that we were, before we became Christians. In other words, what we used to be and what we used to do before we became Christians and before we were indwelled by the Holy Spirit. These traits, actions, characteristics, attitudes, behavior are to be put off. That's another metaphor. Crucifying, but another one is putting off as old garments. We are not to go on living the same way we used to live before we were saved, as though the old self was still in existence or alive. He is not. Paul says, therefore, be real if you are a Christian, 
if you profess to be a Christian. Be real. Be who you are. Be your new self. Be who you are, not what you were. Stop acting like a spiritual zombie. Remember? He mentioned that. The living dead. He ain't dead and he ain't living. But he's walking. That's how some Christians live. Here's how the message, again, remember now, this is a paraphrase, not a translation. Here's how the message describes it in Colossians 3 9, the same truth. Don't lie to one another. You are done with the old life. It's like a filthy set of ill fitting clothes you've stripped off and put in the fire. Now you're dressed in a new wardrobe. Every item of your new way of life is custom made by the Creator with his label on it. I love that. And the old fashions are now obsolete. But now we have to start putting the frying pan on the fire. We got to start cooking this piece of meat that's in here. Because we have to ask the question, exactly what is it that must be continually crucified? What is it, these affections and lusts? What is meant by the flesh with the affections and lusts? Well, let's turn on the heat a little bit. Since we have to do it, and it tells us we must do it, doesn't it say, put off? That means it cannot be done for us. Or it is not done for us. We've got to do it. Therefore, if we have to do it, then this body of sin cannot be the old man. Why? Because listen what it says about the old man. Now we spoke about this, all this is review. So this doesn't count to those of you who are taking time as how long I preach. This is a summary. This is old stuff. Notice what he says in Romans 6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Notice, the old man was crucified. Past tense. History. A completed transaction. We are never anywhere in Scripture commanded to crucify the old man. It's already being done by Jesus Christ himself. Now, as I said, we've already cooked that side of the meat. We've already looked at that. But let's review it again a little bit. Let's put a little bit of sauce on it so we could really get the taste of it. Remember I talked about repeating this the things in this passage again and again? You have to. This is a passage you just can't quote once, say once, and say we've got it. That's why we get this piece of steak now, this piece of meat. I'm going to put it, brown it a little bit. Then I'm going to flip it over on the other side. Brown that a little bit. Then I'm going to flip it over again. You get what I'm doing? That's what I call repetition. So get all the juice to make sure you taste the meat. Notice now, what or who then was the old man? He was the person I was under the condemnation of Adam. Your old daddy and my old daddy. Born under the law, under the condemnation of sin. The old man therefore is are or was our old humanity, whatever it was before we were saved, that's the old man, including the nature. Now notice I'm not using nature here. It's the whole person, not just part of us. Our complete person was under the con condemnation of sin because of what daddy did. But now, in Christ and through faith in him, I am a new person. You, if you have been regenerated by the Spirit, is a new person. 
I am, you are no longer under condemnation. I am, you are no longer under the condemnation of the law. I am, you are no longer under the control or the dominion of the sin DNA. Or the judicial sentence passed down upon my forefather and yours. We are new creations in Christ. A new person, a new race of people. A new humanity. I am the new man who was raised with Christ in newness of life. I am not the old man I was before I met Christ. My connection now, I am connected now to Jesus Christ in a new sphere of life. Not to the old man in the old sphere of life. Jesus Christ, the head of the new redeemed race, is my source of life. Not what I was under Adam. Do you get what I'm saying? Now I'm going to take time with this. This is why I'm not using the microwave or the crock pot. I'm using a frying pan because I want to be able to cook this piece of meat to your taste and to mine. So we could understand it. Listen now. The old man, the old self, stayed in the grave when Jesus Christ was raised. And remember last time we said everything that happened to Jesus happened to us? Whatever he did, the Bible says we did. That's why although he didn't do it, we did it because he did it. Remember that? Was that clear? Everything that he did is regarded as though we did it. This old man, his old self, is crucified with Christ. Christ left him there when he arose from the dead. He did not bring him back with him. Christ brought back a new spiritual creation, a new man in Christ. And now that he has ascended into glory, my life, my new self, is hid in Christ. And Christ is in glory. And when he returns, I will return with him to share in that glory. Listen to Paul. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your heart on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Notice now. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Why? For you died. Not that you will die. Not that you've got to kill yourself. You died. History. Past tense. Fact. For you died. And your life is now. Not will be. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That's a good place to hide. When Christ. Now notice this. Who is your life? Who is our life? It's not what I do. It's not good works. To get. Christ himself is our life. Christ who is our life, your life appears. Then you also will appear with him in glory. It has to happen that way. Why? Because we are hid in him. Our life is hid in him. He is our life. And when he appears, we have to appear. He cannot appear anywhere without us. Did you get that? Did you? Why y'all look so serious? You see, one of the big mistakes we make as Christians is we stay at the cross. We stay at the cross. I'm dead, some people say. I'm crucified. And that's all they, that's all they know. They're ready. They're dead. That's not what this message is about. The emphasis is not on the dying. The emphasis is on the living. We've got to go beyond the cross if we're going to be what God wants us to be. So that at the end of the year, as it were, when we take this spiritual audit again, we are on the plus side. We have to walk in the power of the resurrected Christ. Not just sit there and say, I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. No, no, no. You've got to realize that you're alive. Alive in Christ. Now, I repeat 
The old man, the body of sin, cannot be the same. I've got a reason for emphasizing this and repeating it again. In Romans 6, 6, the old man was crucified in order that the body of the sin might be destroyed. They cannot be the same. Now listen to this carefully. I'm turning the meat over again. I'm putting a little bit more of Chinese sauce on it, flipping it over. The old man and the, and the body of sin cannot be the same. They cannot be the same. Let's make it sizzle a little bit more. This means, therefore, that the term body here in this passage means our physical, literal body. That's how the, book, the word is used throughout the book of Romans. Talking about this here, flesh. The body, the body, the body, the human body, the flesh. Now this term flesh is used in two ways. That's why I'm going to emphasize this. We're going to show where, although I am, my body is fleshly, it is not flesh. And also, although my body is flesh, it's not fleshly. You say that's paradoxical. That's exactly right. Because that's the only way you're going to understand this. Follow me. The body of sin, therefore... And this is where we're going now. This is what we have to understand. The body of sin, therefore, means the physical human body controlled by the contaminating principle of sin that is passed down to us through our fallen parents' DNA. Now we're sizzling, eh? This is heavy stuff here. This is the meat here. That's why I want to give it to you so you can take your knife, you can cut it, into small pieces and you can chew it and let the juices run out this is the meat of the word and it's sweet what Paul is saying is that the body of sin is our body possessed by our inherited sinful bent or capacity or principle. These are all terms used here. It's a result of the curse upon our humanity as it dwells in our mortal bodies, not yet redeemed or glorified. You see, this body is not redeemed yet. Now, what I mean by the price is paid, but we haven't seen the effects yet. You understand what I'm saying? What we are looking for, Paul says in Romans 8, is what? The redemption of the body. The body then is the sphere or element in which sin and death still rules. Although it is still a part of who I am as a new man in Christ. Now please listen carefully. These are spiritual truths that we're talking about. They are revealed only in the Word of God. And they can only be understood by those who have the Spirit of God indwelling them. And even then, it's tough. Corinthians tells us this. Spiritual truths can only be understood by spiritual people, meaning it's those who have the Spirit of God. So let me say something here. If all of this sounds like Chinese to you, Examine yourself to see whether or not you be in the faith. Because these truths are spiritually discerned. You understand what I'm saying? This is where the tire hits the road with our profession of faith. The distinction then that Paul is making it is between me as a new spiritual man, redeemed by the blood of Christ, and my still unredeemed body, still contaminated and influenced by the curse. I, who is in Christ as a new creation, and who is seated in the heavenlies, I, the redeemed, new, gener uh, regenerated person, I'm with God in Christ. But he's making a distinction here. Although I am raised and seated with Christ, although I am a spiritually renewed, renewed being, although my spirit is alive in Christ, and although my spirit is in tune with Him, Although I, in Christ, is the real me, and dead to the reign, the rule, and dominion of sin, although that is true, none of those things are true of this body. Are you following? This body is still tainted by the curse of my old man's total depravity. 
sin still reigns or controls my, bo my mortal body. That's why Paul does not say, in me dwells no good thing. Notice what he says. In my flesh, that is my mortal body. Did you see that? In my flesh, that is my mortal body. So the flesh he is talking about is the body. Dwells no good thing. So there's something that is not good that is dwelling in this body of flesh. Are you following? Now, beloved, this is important stuff you're talking about. To me, a lack of understanding what we're talking about now is the reason why so many Christians are not experiencing full spiritual power in their lives. Some people say, man, that's too heavy for me. That's too bad. Because this is something that is taught in the Bible, and this is the way that we can be sure that our spiritual ledges are always balanced and will always go on the plus side. Listen now, sin still operates as a law principle or capacity that controls the members of my unredeemed body. Paul calls it no good thing. Now be careful again. I'm not saying that my body is sinful. My body is not sinful in itself. Your flesh, body of it's not sinful. It's what dwells inside that's sinful. You get that? It's that's what is still under the control or influence of the sinful principles or capacity that was passed down to me as a part of God's judgment on Adam for his sin. It is still subject to the controlling influence of this inherited no good thing, sin principle. Because for some reason or not, God did not eradicate it out of my body. This is still to come. I'm still looking forward to that. Now let me turn that piece of meat over again. Because we need to cook it a little bit more for you to understand. Actually, to call whatever it is that still influences the Christian's body a principle or a capacity is still vague. What's a capacity? It's not the nature. All right? I'm not talking about our own, it has nothing to do with any nature. Now, this is where we're going to go into Bahamian theology. I describe whatever it is bad thing is within us as a ghost residue. Now, I really get Bahamian, I'd say a spirit residue. <laughs> the ghost residue of our inherited sinful DNA. Let me explain. The ghost residue of our inherited sinful DNA. Now you say, Pastor, that's even more vague. To say nothing about being complicated. You're right. So let me explain my explanation. I watched a TV, res uh, TV, re uh, TV special recently dealing with soldiers who were injured in Iraq. The focus was on the amputees. Those that lost arms or legs through explosions or whatever in battle. And all of the soldiers who were interviewed said that they were still feeling as though their arm or leg was attached. They used the term ghost feelings. They said sometimes they really felt that they were picking at the fork. Or that they were walking down the steps. Or they really felt it. And the doctor described it as ghost feelings. They were felt, experienced, but they weren't there. Still not clear? All right, let me get real Bahamianized. This is where I got my theology from. How many of you all remember Smokey Joe? Not Smokey Joe. You remember? What's the future's name? The Joe. The Puge. Huh? Smokey Joe. That's where I learned a lot of theology. Talking about Barabi uh, and Baruchi, I mean, all those guys. Now, you're young people, and you know what I'm talking about at all. I know you are lost. No, I didn't at all. But you know, United States got their peanuts. Remember peanut? Right? No, not Charlie Brown, or Charlie Brown and those. 
Well, that's Bulgaria and Arabia and all those for the Bahamian. All right? He's a tell-stories man. I can tell you one, but before I tell you one, let me tell you about an experience and where I'm starting to learn some deep theology from now. When I was a boy, we used to raise chickens. Raise is the right word? Grow them? Yeah, I guess. Raise chickens. And we had these huge chicken coops. My daddy used to care for them. So we used to eat a lot of chicken. A lot of chicken. That's even before Kentucky. Daddy is to be the one who used to kill or slaughter the chickens. Now, please, this might get a little grisly for some, but it's illustrate a point. And he used to kill them in two ways. One way is he's open the door, pull the chicken out, grab his head, and <laughs> wring its neck, as you used to call. That's where we get the idea, boy, if you do me anything bad, I can wring your neck. It means I can kill you. Right? I need to just grab it like this and do that and throw the chicken down. The chicken dead. Dead. But then he's a use a machete sometimes. Well, we used to call it cutlass then before we got sophisticated. Cutlass. We used to use the cutlass. And he said, take it, put it on the table, and boom! Head gone. But then a strange thing used to happen. That chicken didn't stay there. That chicken was flipping, flopping all over the yard. And the children used to have fun trying to catch the chicken with his head off. It's just like when you take a balloon and, and let the air out. That's how that chicken was going. That chicken was dead. But he didn't know it. <laughs> this is where Smokey Joe came in. Smokey Joe tells about a tourist who went down to the fish market. Again, this, any, any y'all under 30 y'all ain't gave no about this. The fish market used to be down Market Street. Remember that? Big fish market. And then on the other end used to be the slaughterhouse. Remember? I just seen one of them. Well, in the fish market, they used to have these little uh, places with salt water in it where you used to keep turtles because they used to sell turtles as well. Well, Smokey Joe tells about the story of this tourist who went down to the fish market. And while she was there, someone came to buy a turtle. So the fisherman went, took the turtle, and cut his head off. And you know what happened with that turtle? The turtle was on the ground, and he was swimming. He was moving. He was going all over the place. So the tourist asked the fisherman, say, how is that possible? The Bahamian theologian fisherman said, that turtle dead, but he ain't know it. <laughs> Some deep theological truth is in there, right here. Many Christians, we dead, but we don't know it. And we still go and flip and flop and round. That's why it's so much foolishness what we're doing. Because we're not getting the right directions. We're cut off from the head. But we're still working according to these old impulses that were left there. Notice what Paul talks about the spiritual and the, and the, and the physical in 1 Corinthians 15, he says, It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. You see two bodies? If there is a natural body, there is a spiritual body. We got the natural now, we ain't got the spiritual yet. So also it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living soul. The last Adam became a life-giving Spirit. Now, that life-giving spirit is residing within our regenerated spirit, as it were, until this body is made a spiritual one, which will come at the resurrection, the rapture, if you want to. Now, here is the truth that has been taught here. You see why we've got to go slow? So let me flip it over on the other side once more. On, on the edge now, because I like meat well done. No red, no pink, no nothing. Here is the tremendous truth that is being taught here. The believer who is alive in the spirit does not have to allow his or her body to serve the sin principle while we wait for the redemption of the body to take place. We don't have to respond to it. You understand what I'm saying? Now with that turkey and that chicken, not turkey, <laughs> turtle, that turtle, 
They had no choice. They just worked automatically. But with the believer, we have a choice. We don't have to go flipping flopping around this thing, getting messages from a head that's not there. We do not have to succumb to the desires and passions of the flesh. That is to the old remnant of the old nature that still remains in this mortal body. We can crucify these lusts and passions that leads to the work of the flesh. We can. When Paul says put off, that's the same thing as saying crucify. But he's using it in a different sense when he talks about the old man was crucified. Because Christ and Christ alone could crucify the old man. But now we can put to death, we can crucify the works or the characteristics of that old man's actions. Let me personalize then how we can be in a position where we don't have to respond to these impulses. First of all, you as a believer can do this by counting it a fact that you are a new creation in Christ and therefore you do not have to be subject to the old lifestyle at all. In other words, all we sing is all you have to do is simply believe and accept as reality what God has told you is to be true in His Word. That's all. Believe what God says. On the basis of that belief, live out your life according to that belief. Not according to how you feel, but according to what God says. And if God says you're dead, you're dead. Even if you don't feel dead, you're dead. Your feelings may change, but your position in Christ never changes. Let me put this again in another way. And again, I'm going to do a little bit with a common saying. God said it. That settles it. So believe it. Now sometimes we put it the way around. God said it, believe it, that settles it. Well, you've got to do it both ways if you're going to experience this. God said it, that should be enough. Believe it. God says it. God says it. Believe it. That should settle it and your life should demonstrate it. But second, you can live out your new... By the way, let me say here. That's one of the most difficult things for Christians to do is to believe this fact. Because you see that turtle there, you'll never say that dead. Flipping and moving. That ain't dead. Yes, he dead. He don't look dead. He dead. It goes back to you either believing God or not believing God. It starts with a firm faith in the Word of God. Secondly, you can live out your new person in Christ status by consciously and decidedly presenting the members of your physical body to doing God's will on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis. That's why it's so important to understand what this body of sin is. It isn't some mysterious, ghostly thing out there. No, it's this. And you have control over the members of your body. Listen to the word of the Lord again. We've read it before. But this is the word of God. We know that our old self is crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. That's not talking about living with him in heaven. That means living through him in the power of the resurrected Christ today. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he now lives, he lives to God. Do you believe that? You see, this truth, these truths are the basis and foundation for the believer to live a holy life. In order for us to live a holy life and to be holy as He is holy, we have got to believe this. Now, what do we do if after we believe this? Here is what we ought to do because of this well-laid, firmly established foundation, verse 11. So you also, so you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. 
notice that, to make you obey his passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. That's the power of the resurrected life. That's where every Christian is in Christ. Boy, it's sizzling. You hear it, you smell it. The meat, get a little tender. Let's cut it up a little bit so you can taste it into pieces. And there are five pieces here in this piece of meat. Five essential steps to a victorious, holy way of living that assures, of us, assures us of always being on the plus or credit side of our spiritual ledger. Five. Let's cut this piece of meat up in five pieces so we can really taste it. Verse. Verse 11. So you always must. You see that must? You know what must means in the Greek? Must. That's what it means. Must. You must. In order for anything after this to happen, you've got to do this. You must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Count it a fact. You go back to the ledger illustration. You impute. You charge too. And you look at that, that's on the plus side. Now it's important to note. There are two conditions or states or spheres mentioned in this passage. The first is the state of death, and the second is the state of life. Too often we focus only on the state of death in studying this passage. But really it's the state of life that this passage is all about. That's where the key to always having a balanced and profitable spiritual lifestyle ledger lay. In understanding here that what we want to really consider and know and understand and apprehend and comprehend is this state of life. The state of death is a historical one. It's in the past. It happened in the past. The state of life under God, however, is a present continuous one. And that's where we are now. And so I ask you, do you know where you are? Do you know where you are spiritually? If the former is true, we have died, then the latter is true, we are alive in Christ. We cannot have one without the other. That's why you cannot have you cannot stop at the you cannot stop at the cross with Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ was still on the cross or still in the grave, we would have no salvation. Right or wrong? You can't stop at the cross. You've got to go beyond that. That's exactly what Paul is saying here. We've got to go beyond Calvary if we're going to live this kind of a life. If we are in Christ, we are in a state of being alive to God. Because in Christ, we also die to the power and dominion of sin over us. And if we die to sin, then we've got to be in Christ. And if we're in Christ, then we have power over the old self and the old life. Believe it. God said it. That should settle it. We must reckon or consider the fact that both of these are true. We have died to sin's power. It also means believing and accepting of as a fact that God, what God has said, dead to sin, means cut off from its power, its dominion or its control. Alive to God means responsive or energized by the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. In Christ Jesus, that's where our true life is. In Christ, that's where the life-giving power of Christ is. That's why we can live a holy life. That's why we can live unto God and glorify Him in everything we do. But second, verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. 
to make you obey its passions. Now, this is the general overall statement of the goal or quota we should be asked, looking for. Remember, we talked from a sales point of view. We have a quota we want to achieve and we put plans in place. Well, here is the quota. Here is the goal here. Let not sin reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. It simply means that you are not to give in to your sinful desires. Why? Because you don't have to. If you give in, it's your choice. You can't blame the old man. Mm -mm -mm. It's your choice. You are now as a believer living in an entirely new spiritual sphere of life. The sphere of the resurrected power of Jesus Christ. If you give in then to these ghost impulses, it's because you choose to do so. Not because you were or are unable not to do so. Christ turned the switch off that connected the power of the flesh principle to this body of sin. But you can turn it on. You have a choice. The third step tells us how to avoid making this step. In other words, this is how we work the plan to achieve the quota or the proper profitable goal in our ledger. Verse 13. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. Literally means stop presenting. Because Paul seems to think that these people were doing it. Stop presenting it. Because if you're not living in the power of the resurrected Christ, that's what you're doing. You are presenting the members of your bodies as instruments of unrighteousness. Paul says stop it. Stop it. This is where repentance comes in. This is where you start to evaluate your life. What are you doing with these eyes? What are you doing with these hands? What are you doing with these feet? What are you doing with your mind? What are you doing with the members of your body? You don't have to look at that pornography on TV or computer. You don't have to read all of those novels, those romantic novels that are filled with so much trash. You don't have to. You don't have to go into that club. You don't have to take your hands to steal or to commit abuse against your wife or your children or your husband. You don't have to do that. That's what he's talking about. Everyday experiences. This is not some high, lofty, mysterious thing. He's talking about the fact that God, through the risen Christ who lives within you, gives you the power to say, No, I will not slap my son. No, I will not abuse my wife. No, I will not steal from my boss. No, I will not go to a club. No, I will not take you. The power of the resurrected Christ can enable you not to do these things. This is a command for us. It's in the present continuous tense. Do not go on presenting the members of your physical body as tools of sinful deeds and activities on a day-by-day, daily, moment basis. That's what he's saying. He says, stop doing it now and start doing it this way. Stop giving in to the impulse to this phantom that lives within you. Respond to that energy of the Spirit of God that, who, that pulsates within your being. Now that's the negative side. He gives the positive side to this. Notice what he says. But, just the opposite, big contrast. But present yourselves to God. Again, the tense, the tense is begin presenting yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Notice what it is that we are presenting to God. We are not presenting our old sinful self to God. Because that's in the grave. So what should I say? I'm just an old dirty sinner man. You know you could expect anything. Uh, 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 uh. You don't know what this passage is talking about. We are to present to him the new man, the new person. The redeemed self. Why? Because the old self is in the grave. He didn't want that. That's why he crucified it. It's our redeemed selves that we present to God. Those who have been brought from death to life. This is a general overall initial act. Something that all Christians should and must do. When you know that you are a believer, one of the first things which we should do is to say, I'm yours. Now I'm not 
those theologians who are here, I'm not talking about uh, Lordship Salvation. But I'm talking about understanding that if we have been redeemed by the blood of Christ, we belong to Him. And that's all we're saying. I'm yours. Every part of me. Every part of me. He's giving a full view of what he says in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Because God did this for me, man, I'm going to give myself to him is the idea. This is a once-for-all act here. Once you do this, that sacrifice is tied to the altar of the triune God. You can't unloose it, cut it loose, and say, no, it belongs to Him. God expects all of His redeemed to do this. But now there's something else. There's an ongoing, daily, continual action also that must be... And this is the fifth and final step. The meeting is getting finished now, girls. It's getting done now. You'll be able to taste it. He says... But present your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Now here's the truth of this passage. This is not a one-time event. This is a moment-by-moment, daily, minute-by-minute thing. You do it all the time. All the time. Lord, I'm going into the bookstore now. And so I commit my eyes to you. Help me only to look at those things that are honoring to you. Lord, I'm going to turn on my computer now. Help me not to look at those pornography sites. Because these eyes are yours, not mine. You understand what I'm saying? That's, that's what this means. Every day. That's why Paul says everything you do. Or at work. I have a sign on my desk that says that my work is my worship. Some people criticize me for that. But it is. Everything that I do is an act of worship. Based on this attitude here. Presenting everything. When we work, we don't work to please man. Well, as man pleases, we work to please God if we are redeemed by the blood of Christ. When we don't do that, that means that you are giving in to these ghost impulses. Present, continuous thing. And so what I'm saying here now, this is God's step-by-step plan for you and for me to live a spiritually profitable, holy lifestyle and have the assurance that as genuinely, spiritually regenerated people of God, we are living spiritually profitable lives. Examine yourself. Are you in the faith? Have you been regenerated by the Spirit? Examine yourself. Are you living in the power of the resurrected Christ? Are these hands, these feet, these eyes, with these ears, are they all on a day-by-day, moment-by-basis being presented to God for righteousness and not sin? What are they then? The five steps. Here I give it to you and then I close. First, count it a fact that you are dead to the old way of life and now living in the sphere of the resurrection life of Jesus Christ. Whether you can feel it, you must believe it because God says so. And he says you must believe it or these other steps are impossible to do. Secondly, stop acting as though this is not true and start behaving as though it is because it is. Thirdly, do not submit to the zombie of phantom impulses because that's all it is. Fellows are talking, say sometimes you walk on the steps he feels like he can actually put his feet on the step. But he knows he can't do it because he has no feet. Now if he had given in to the impulses within, he'd probably kill himself. Do not submit to zombie or phantom impulses. You are enabled to do it by the power of the resurrected Christ. Fourthly, do not go on, I'm sorry, Do present yourself once and for all to God as a newly redeemed person. Now some of you say, well, I've done that before. Well, I wonder wonder when you did it, you did it with the awareness of this truth. 
This committing yourself to Christ for once for all, I belong to you totally. I give up all ownership of my life. Everything that I see, think, do, speak, my attitudes, they're all yours. I just want you to use them for your glory. Help me not to respond to these phantom impulses in my life. I want to respond to the Spirit of God who indwells me. And there's that struggle going on. You have to respond to the Spirit who indwells you. Fourth, finally, do not go on presenting the members of your body to God to be used for the cause of righteousness. Continue to do that all the time. All the time. Again, I have told you this before, I would tell you again. That's one of the first things I do when I get up in the morning. I go through this. It's a little ritual. Lord, I'm yours. Right now, I commit to you, I present to you once again, every member, every faculty of my body to be used for your honor and for your glory. Then I put my feet on the ground. We need always, and then when you come out, you do the same thing. That's what it means. It's an ongoing, continual thing. That's when you're yielding to the Spirit of God that indwells you. And so then, the meat has been cooked. This is God's meal for you. God's provision for a guaranteeing you a profitable, spiritual, wholesome balance sheet. It's a measuring stick for us to test our profession of faith. This is the way genuine Christians are supposed to be and behave as a way of life. Anything else casts doubts on our profession. Or at least on our intimacy with Jesus Christ. And our closeness with Him. Now following Him. Jesus Christ wants us to follow Him. Regardless of the obstacles, regardless of the problem. We like to talk about this as a relationship, a romantic relationship with Jesus Christ. This is a war we're in. Take up the cross and follow me. It takes warriors. It takes men and women who are filled with the Spirit of God to be true followers of Jesus Christ. Too much mamby-pamby type of Christian living is going on today. We just do all kinds of foolishness. And just because I walk down the aisle, just because I did this, I'm a Christian. Examine your faith. See whether or not. Examine yourself. See whether or not you be in the faith. Please bow with me in the word of prayer. Take a few moments of quiet reflection. If God has spoken to you in any way by his spirit, respond to him right now. Not to me, but to him. Do you have to make this initial commitment to him? Do it right now. Do you have once again to, or do you have to begin to present the members of your body, the faculties of your mortal body to him again. Do it now. You can experience the resurrected life of Christ in your life today. Count that as a fact. And so, Father, once again, we thank you that you will accomplish the purpose for which you have sent your word forth today. Now, any of you would like to speak with me or one of the pastors concerning your spiritual journey, your experiences right now, please be sure to see us. And all of God's people said, Amen.